0: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, it's home and home week here at the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb and Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston is here. He blew me out uh, on the Celtics Talk Podcast on, uh, earlier this week and now he's going for this week <laughs> here in the Winning Plays Podcast uh, to see if he can match the, uh, the Celtics Magic of the Week so far.
1: It, it felt appropriate, right, because the Celtics have their two home-and-homes this week, so it was only right that in podcast land, we did the same thing. Uh, I had technical nightmares in the studio that day, so that was a lot like the first Pacers-Celtics game, and I was just glad <laughs> to, to, glad, to, glad to grind out the win, but today I'm hoping that we can both be clicking and uh, the Jays can both be uh, can have their first big game together on, uh, on the big stage in the rematch.
0: Let, let's I'll I'll throw some stats on you here to just to begin the pod here to just to get your reaction. And I don't know. You might be you're a big numbers guy. You're probably familiar with with many of these so far, but um, we'll start this. What where do you think the Celtics rank in strength of schedule the rest of the way in terms of like easiest schedules in the NBA? Oh, man, I think I read your article. So I uh,
1: so I think it's seventh easiest remaining. Okay, right?
0: you know it's, it's correct. Seventh easiest schedule. <laughs> um, do well, I'll start there. Does that? No, it does not change my mean, opinion one bit. Not not one bit.
1: No, so uh, it it means that your yeah your record's going to be slightly inflated, but like this team has played down against bad competition. It's actually I feel better if it was like a tougher strength of schedule uh, <laughs> in true a true. weird way. So here's here's where I'm at in like general. I will say driving home last night after the game was the first time that I was like super excited for an upcoming game because I feel like, and like in my cheesy way, I'm calling this, I'm calling this, the, the Celtics, I know the Patriots have a big game this weekend, but for me, this is like Celtics wildcard weekend where, okay, Philadelphia and Chicago, I know both kind of tripped up last night, but um, these are two teams that are eight and two in their last 10 that are really good. And okay. Is this smoke and mirrors what we've seen the last seven games, or is this like some actual progress from the Boston Celtics and we'll know quick, you know, and, and, uh, they should be close to full health. I don't know how Marcus smarts fibers is going to be doing, but I guess is he'll play against Philadelphia because you need him, And he was on the trip and you could see him behind the bench last night. So, um, you know, no excuses, like, let's figure it out. And uh, I don't want to say, cause I've probably said like five times this season that this is the last chance to sort of give me the, give me some motivation to say, okay, don't completely turn to a future focus, but it's kind of the way I feel. And this is, you know, you're still 10th. The Knicks are making moves, you know, like, well, I just well, feel like well, the,
0: the Southers could be making moves here too. Have you, have you read Jeff Green? Is online too, <laughs> waiting to rejoin forces with Ime Udoka, who said today, uh, leaving his weekly interview on Zulek and Bertrand that that Jeff Green was his guy in Brooklyn. Like his, you know, oh, dear, these, 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 these assistants get matched up with both players, and Jeff Green was his guy. And Jeff Green also has a player option for next season. So, so that gonna, pretty gonna, much I'm, he pretty much I'm, is I'm, confirming that rumor, being like, Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to bring in my guy here.
1: So I'm going to tell the winning plays audience the same thing I told Brian Robin a text message yesterday. <laughs> if the Boston Celtics make a trade for another player who Ime Adoka has a relationship with, who is on the tail end of and downslope of their career, and they get more minutes than the young players that they so desperately need to develop, I'm going to lose my mind, and you will see my head explode on Celtics post game live 40 more times this season because. I While I completely – and look, I think you can go any which way. So so let's step back for a second here. I've sort of been of the ilk that if the Celtics aren't uh, legitimate contenders, they should probably downshift, trade off veteran pieces, and embrace the kids. But there's a school of thought that, hey, you can't be super bad. So if you don't care between, say, the 11th or 12th pick and 18th, 19th pick, And you don't want to waste the season of the Jays. Okay, I get the the idea behind. Make some moves at the deadline. Add some shooting. Add something that might just make this a less flawed roster. And you cross your fingers and hope the Jays just carry this thing at the finish line with 82 games of, of time to figure it out. And that you know what? like As much as I don't think that's my preferred route, I get it. It's hard for Brad Stevens to want to step back and not go for it. Trading for Jeff Green does not seem like the sort of move that makes you any more legitimate of a contender. That was like a, a year and a half ago move that we all or a year, even the summer move, like when we, when we were thinking about fours, but Grant Williams has developed, and so we're now we're just gonna stunt Grant Williams' development. So I don't know, like that rumor in particular uh makes me want to makes me want to pull my hair out. How you well, feeling
0: about the Jeff yeah, Green? Yeah, I mean it's I I mean I agree with you, a lot of what you just said there. I will say they could use another. I mean, Jeff Green is not a big. They could use another versatile. Hasn't
1: he? Hasn't he played the five for like the
0: last two seasons? That, that's that's like, pretty. I mean, he's the worst big rebounder you ever meet in your life. Um, but for yeah, things. I guess like for what they'd use him for, yeah, he'd be, you know, a stretch four. And uh, like you said, at, at times in Brooklyn, he was definitely a stretch five with that group. And so, yeah, like you. Do you need to bring in another like 31% free point shooter that can switch <laughs> and frustrate? Like, I mean, that's, that, that's a, a conversation for the other day, but I will say just bring in, bring in someone where, so in a situation like we saw Wednesday night when like Rob Williams, you know, he gets hit and is, is out for a little bit. Like, so you don't have to, you know, throw in freedom in that situation sure. by default. You just like having an acceptable alternative to there. um, And that's not a knock on freedom necessarily. That's just being like, there are certain games where he works. Yeah. Like he'll play a ton Friday.
1: Right. He'll play a ton Friday against Philly because they need him. And you know, Rob could be in foul trouble if he doesn't play Stout. And I get that. I get like keeping freedom. Um, I think, look, if you're going to move Wancho and you're telling me that it's better to pay Jeff Green, whatever minimum contract or whatever he's on to, to be your backup for instead of Wancho, who's not playing and who's earning a ton of money. Yeah, that's fine. Um, But there better be, moves before you get to that point you better not be giving up any real assets to you know make make jeff green a reality
0: aaron neesmith for a second round pick and jeff green that's that's your deal right there
1: (laughs) (laughs) you want to i mean uh i mean that was a joke everyone that
0: was a joke by the way
1: (laughs) that's gonna be that's gonna be aggregated um uh i I love that brad was asked about neesmith and romeo on Tuster and rich this morning and uh, I mean, he was effusive in his praise, particularly with Neesmith and, and calling him one of their top like five, seven players or something at one point last year. Uh, but it's still wild that um, that we're sitting here and in in, within the first five minutes of the Winning Plays podcast in calendar year 2022, we're talking about Jeff Green before we even think about Aaron Neesmith minutes. And I think that's indicative of the problem with this team. And and a lot of teams go through this. You know, that's why Cam Radish is getting traded. but. Um, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's baffling to me that they're, they're not willing given the state of the team to lean harder into these, into figuring out what they've got.
0: Yeah. Like, what do you think? I mean, the Romeo situation is particularly curious since he went from pretty much 20 minutes a night, no matter like most nights to like straight up nothing now for, for three, four games here. And at first I was like, Oh, maybe it's just the Knicks. Like the you know, you could use freedom more against the Knicks. And now it's like, well, no, this is you know, he's he's out um for now here. And <laughs> like is that just may being like, I just can't like I can't trust him right now. We're just I'm just riding or dying with the veterans until Brad does something one way or another.
1: you know, and this is this is a little bit flabbergasted. I think it's more like may is just riding a playoff rotation because he feels the desperation to win yeah and I, th- I think he's he's reluctant to go to to those guys unless he has to and and i i go back to it i think that's just the story of the season where he showed up and he's looking at this roster and he's going all right does it make sense to go double big eh, it's not the not the best but al's the guy i trust the most and he's playing well we're going to go with that and what are we doing with the first off the bench all right it's going to be josh and dennis because those guys have been around and I know what they give me. And, and, and in a way, that's fair. Like Josh has way outplayed the young kids when oh, yeah. they've been out there. But um, whether that is the, the, the most beneficial path for this team is, is the debate. And sometimes I mean, you can't see the forest from the trees because you're so focused on winning and so focused on ripping off a little win streak that keeps you in it that – you don't realize that maybe next year is being compromised because you're a little bit too focused on now. And I just don't know if the benefits of, of riding those guys. And so that's why I think it all falls back on Brad to figure this out. And this is what we said on self Talk earlier this week. I mean, I can nitpick with Ime, with but it's his first year. He's figuring it out. He's just doing what, what any coach does. He's doing what Brad Stevens did when Jay Crowder showed up and he was like, look, we're trying to win. You know, even though the Celtics probably would have preferred to lose games at that point, and we're trying to figure it out and figure out what's next. Um, and so, uh, I think it, I don't fault him for that too much. He's, he's, he's going with the pieces that he wants. And Brad Stevens was just as much as fault at this point, Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. So, um, it, it's on Brad to, if he is going to embrace the future, uh, he's got to be the one that clears this thing out a little bit. And that's why I keep going back to Jeff Green. I can't believe that's the first (laughs) Celtic rumor of the year.
0: And then the other, I mean, um, Jalen Smith is obviously the other guy that was mentioned, and he was actually mentioned again in a Bleacher Report article today um, as a potential target target. the that That's one that's particularly, you know, it's like the opposite side of the spectrum at a standpoint. Right. Okay, like here's a young guy. This is like, you know, Romeo Lankford. Not even like to not have a, a fourth-year option picked up on a guy, and that might be penny-pinching by Phoenix – they probably, probably now wish that they did pick up that option. Now they, he's kind of, of shown course. something in the last month. But even if you trade for him, you can only offer him four and a half to $5 million per year tops. Now that could be very much enough to, to pay him regardless. If, right. if in, a, in a depressed free agent market, but it is the, the risk reward of that type of strategy of going for a guy like that is, a, is, is another interesting thing I, I look at when you, you see names thrown out like that.
1: So I don't hate it in terms of, is there a move that, you know, and I guess Phoenix motivation is going to be to, 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 to just cut salary or get an asset. Right. And that's where the, the problem comes. Like, what are the Celtics given them? They can't move their first. They need those for, for future. You're not giving up a first for a guy who can't necessarily resign. Um, you know, unless, unless Phoenix settles for taking a, a piece that might probably might cost them more like Wancho. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you make that work. Um, Man. But, I'm, I, but But if you're the Celtics, sure. like You can take a flyer and get to the offseason and very much like if they end up carrying Dennis Schroeder through. you know, Maybe get to the summer and there's just such a bad market where those guys are like, that's our only option but to come back. And I don't think that's going to happen, but it's certainly there and you get a look at a, at a young kid. You, maybe he likes it. Maybe he thrives. And you have that sort of right of first refusal there where at least you're in the kid's ear. You've, you've made an impression. Hopefully it's good. And um but yeah i I, I don't know it's uh it it, it all depends on the cost there um i don't love it for a sort of a team that's got to think about how to get long-term pieces around this core but um i also understand like if 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 you're going to make a move and and it doesn't cost a whole lot I'm, i'm fully on board with 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 at least exploring that he was one of the guys i really liked in that draft and um i know it hasn't exactly worked but um, it's, it, it, it would be ironic though. Someone, I, I think it was maybe danger cart because this is sounds like his humor, but definitely someone on, on, on Celtics Twitter said Celtics are the perfect spot for Jalen Smith because he would get traded here, get buried, have no value.
0: During <laughs> right, the <off-season>. yep.
1: <laughs> so then <laughs> they, then, then they could, then, then they could, then they could resign him. And I'm like, that's actually not, that's actually really great. Cause he would, he'd be stuck behind like freedom. And we'd all be screaming about it, but then the Celtics would resign them to a, a cost-efficient deal. So the Rob uh, Williams yeah.
0: strategy—I
1: <laughs> love it. Don't don't pay don't unleash the uh, the elite players you have on your roster until you've got them under long-term control.
0: Uh, it's brilliant. So you let's go back to the the wild. I liked first of all, I like you, your wild card weekend. You know, premise there that like that's <laughs> nice. Um, and I also want to know like how how much stuff was thrown at NBC sports Boston when the Pats game was announced for eight fifteen on Saturday night.
1: <laughs> it's so, so funny. Cause you know, there's a, there's a Bruins game earlier in the, the day that day. So there's no way yeah. we, they can, the Celtics can even move it. But right. uh, the first, that, that night I went back to the garden Monday night for the game. That was the number one question I got. They're like, Hey, what time's that game moving to? And I said, well, first off, I, I don't, we, we don't make those decisions, but um yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I wish I I was wondering if they might try to shimmy it to like six o'clock or something. Uh, but I think it's just too close for yeah, bull, bull game can't and, pull it
0: down that, that quick.
1: I mean it's weird that we're having crossover days in the middle of COVID anyway, but um that's <laughs> a, a I didn't forward. think about that. Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not even a, that's a whole nother another another that's ball a, of
0: whack. Right. Um yeah, so that will um but these two games this weekend, I mean, at Philly, you get Philly playing them i think i think the key now to any celtics matchup against philly is like is al horford healthy for the matchup mm-hmm. um and obviously rob too so like you, you're not have to you're not gonna have to play freedom for 40 minutes for this matchup um mm-hmm. and then it wasn't
1: that bad
0: no he wasn't that bad i was just like you just can't you know can i Not playing 40 minutes like he's great for 15 minutes like in to give a to break and give some physicality against him or Drummond. um but then, so you have that, you have the, the balls matchup. I, is it fair to say, you know, a split there would be a win for the Celtics? Like if you, if you get one of those games, you're, I mean. It depends on how, it depends on how they look. If
1: there's, if there's, if they're up 15 and they kick away a lead in the fourth quarter in one of them, I might not be as bullish on a one and one If they really compete, if it's close, you know, I don't know though. Like, I almost feel like they need to go 2-0 and, and just wow. really show us. Yeah, I know, but like. That's the way it is. That's the position you put yourself in. So, I mean, every, every time they do one of these one-and-ones, all of a sudden, we're now we're 10 games deeper into the season, and there's still 500. You're still the 10th seed. You're still, like, barely in the playoffs because of a tiebreaker right now. And so I, I just don't know if I'm willing to, to sit here. And, uh, I mean, I'm already you – know, I catch so much – every time I, I kind of, like, reopen the door and go, okay, They've won five or seven. They could have had the other two in that stretch. Like we should at least see what they can do here. I got people yelling at me like, what do you need to see? It's just two plus seasons now. <laughs> and I get it. And I'm, I, I, I totally understand that. So uh, I do think Brad needs at least a little bit of time to figure out the path here. And, um, you know, you go 0 and two, one and one. I don't know. It just I, even with the ease of schedule, I just I just don't see the pathway to getting to a spot that that makes sense. I mean, what are you playing for at that point? The one-eight matchup and hoping you, you take down the Bulls when they when they falter in the playoffs, uh, and and then you still got to play the Bucks or the Nets in round two. I don't know. I need to see I need to see some some high level basketball from the Celtics this weekend to to really to really rope me back in and and get me to to want to be investors. Unless and I wish Brad would just do this if, if this is his and I guess you can't do it because you can't really tip your hand. But if they're just going to lean into it's just not worth it to go the other way. Fine. But at least just come out and say it so that we know what the plan is here. Yeah. Give me like, give me the, give me the path. Like, Hey guys, you know, I understand that some teams it make sense to throttle down. It doesn't make sense for us. We're just going to go for it. And if it means, you know, just clinging to this hope, that's what we're going to do. But, the other thing is I keep thinking about those Kyrie years and, and this isn't the same parallel, but the whole flip the switch mentality and no, don't worry about the struggles. You know, not that this team is in any position to say something like that, but you are what you are and rarely do teams go to another level just because the playoffs roll around. And um, I need to see something.
0: Well, so like the counter to that, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I'm going to believe I feed you right I want now, to be now, but, but I'm, I'm going to counter you a little bit because you look at, I mean, the fourth quarter. Just whether it's, I mean, a lot of it has been they've done to themselves. Some of it has been bad luck. Like you, you got beat by like two crazy threes. Whether it's RJ Barrett or Luca in Dallas, even though the Luca thing is like, okay, they, he does that to you every year. Like that's not a surprise at this point. <laughs> but you like you pull away from there. They're still like they're point differential. Their net rating is 12th in the NBA. They're like on the that same. Point, lo- it's like the same level.
1: It's sliding back slide. like right. It it's was just,
0: it, yeah. It just keeps coming closer to the pack in the East. And you know, who the who is the best net rating in the well, East right now? Take a guess. Without like at so the standings or anything.
1: So I'm guessing it's not. So it's not Chicago. And no. you're, you're, you're going for a
0: swerve here. So
1: it's not the Bucks or the Nets. Um, who else is in the middle of that? Crazy? Don't tell me it's like the Washington
0: Wizards or something. You're in the, you're in the neighborhood. It's not the Wizards. It's the Cavs. The Cavs? Uh, you should have known that. Damn it. Plus 4.9, who actually blew out Utah in Utah. Bless. I mean, the Cavs are, you know, are legit, um, at least on, on paper right now. But that's the best team in the East right now, like on paper, for the first well, 42 talking- games of the year. So when you see that and you're just like, and the Celtics are three games behind them in the standings with a favorable schedule here. And if they make it out of this, if they give you your 2-0 weekend, which with Chicago having a back-to-back against Golden State on Friday night in Chicago, like that's that's a schedule-friendly game for them um, from that standpoint. After that, you have home New Orleans, home Charlotte, home Portland, at Washington, home Sacramento, at Atlanta, at New Orleans. That's a pretty... And that's a lot of me. Right. The Charlotte game is if but if that's your toughest game in like the month after this weekend, (laughs) like on paper, this this could be a turn. I'm not saying there's any real reason for it to do it, because that's just not how this team operates this year. But a six and two stretch there is not out of the realm of possibility. And at that point, you are back up in that the four or five seed neighborhood, because that's just how bunch the East is right now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I'll completely buy into that. And then the, the biggest sell you could put on me is that they have some success. They start to win us back a little bit. Jalen and Jason continue to, to, to play like they have. I mean, more so Jalen playing as, as good as he had every, I mean, every night it feels like it's a new career high and something, 50 points, 11 assists, 14 rebounds, whatever it was. Um, and, and then Jason gets it going. And we know what he usually does this time of year. It feels like February is when he kind of kicks it up to that, to that next level then okay, I'll buy in, it, 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 especially because there could be roster tweaks. And if you do fix the flaws with this roster, if you do eliminate some of the glut, um, then you know, maybe there I'm – not, I'm not saying there's no chance. I'm just saying based on the returns to this point and when I examine the state of the roster at the midway point, I am less bullish on a climb than I am about just kind of leaning into the future. But I, like, look, I want to be excited. Like, it, it's been a long time since we <laughs> we could get the excitement about this team. And I will say, it was refreshing last night being like, "Wow, I can't wait for the Philly game." So, um, yeah, well, that's what great. happens when it's I'm, two I'm,
0: months between a three-game winning streak. That's what happens. It's excitement it takes a while to rebuild. <laughs> Isn't that
1: incredible? <laughs> we we kept putting up, we kept putting up banners like Celtics on two-game winning streak, and I'm thinking what year did we ever do this? And uh, it's, just, it, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's the team hasn't been very consistent. So you, you, you you marvel at two and three game winning streak, even against really bad teams. And so again, I go back on just sort of said, I think their record against five plus 500 teams is something not great, 13 and 17, but they have played well against better teams, the box come to mind. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm going into this with an open mind and especially because of how well Jalen and Jason are playing. But um, man, I, 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 I sympathize with Brad. It's a tough spot to be in and, and try to figure this thing out. Um, I don't know if it, 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 in, in past years, it feels so easy. We'd be like, oh, Danny just needs to go get a four and he wouldn't nor you know, they'd get close but not actually get a four. And so, I, you know, like I'm, I'm, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for whatever comes ahead.
0: All right, I have a I have a real big question for you after the break here right now. So Ooh. I just want to bring like it's
1: what a tease.
0: But first, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online, who would like to wish you, especially you, Chris, a happy betting New Year as Ooh. we t- begin to get ready for the NFL playoffs and much more. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New Year, new updated desktop and mobile website. So, you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code cons 50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Chris. This is something I've like, kind of let marinate for a little bit here and i don't know i don't i don't want to say i thought of this last night because marcus smart was out with the lineup so i'll, I'll just right. it was bad. and i'm not trying to downplay marcus smart's potential value to this team what i will say though dennis schroeder as in the starting five has been a much different player this year than him off the bench um for whatever reason We can debate what that reason is. My question to you is, if you're in the front office in this next month here, do you even entertain the possibility that saying, hey, listen, the market is weak for point guards this summer. Schroeder is not going to have a ton of options out there probably. What if we save some money and make Schroeder or at least consider keeping the option of having Schroeder be our, you know, starting point guard going forward while also entertaining moving markets for what would have to be obviously a major upgrade to a different part of the roster. Is that mm-hmm. type of like money management and personnel management, like what, what type of consideration would you give that if you're, if you're Brad Stevens at this point?
1: So I think you have to consider everything. And I think it's certainly on the table. Um, I don't know. So like gut for me is it's very hard to envision a self-esteem that doesn't have Marcus, especially one that is kind of making defense's calling card. And I think Marcus has been really good on that end. Um, I don't think he's necessarily been bad as a point guard. Uh, the one thing I've, I've, I've kind of and, and, and scal was in my ear about this is you know, we all talk, sit here and talk about how they need a point guard and you know, creator this team doesn't really create like, and that's not the, necessarily the, the fault of the point guard. They don't do a lot of cutting. They don't do a lot of, 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 of movement. So, you know, even if you have the world's best point guard, are they, are they necessarily creating all these opportunities when these two players are just naturally want to sort of go ISO or run their pick and rolls? And so I think there's a balance there. Um, but I think Marcus has been good. Uh, especially when he has made defense and just sort of being out there and directing the offense, his priority and not getting too far outside his shell. But certainly if you're the Celtics and you could get, you know, first round picks are valuable. And if a contender was willing because they needed a defensive Joel, if Danny Ainge calls and said, Hey, I need to upgrade this, this, this jazz defense, what's it going to take to get Marcus smart and the jazz have picks. You could, I mean, you can listen, they're not, they're end of first round. So I don't know how valuable they are, but uh, first round picks are always valuable when crafting deals and you need a bunch of them to probably get your third star. So I'm listening. The Schroeder thing is weird. I, you Just as you said, it's he's, when he's filled in for Jalen, when he filled in last night for Marcus, he's been really good scoring wise with that first unit. And yet, you know, stylistically wise, when I watch him, there's just so many infuriating moments. He walks the dog <laughs> up the court. One more time, and then throws it immediately to a defender. I'm gonna lose my mind. I, for a team that cannot score against a half court defense, watching him walk it up is is absolutely baffling. And yet, there are times when he'll walk it up, and then he just turns on the jets and gets to the hoop and lays it up. And I'm like, oh well, you know. I don't know why he can't do that necessarily as much with the second unit and pick his spot. But um, yeah, I'd, look, I'll say this too. I know that within the organization, there there are parts of it that love Dennis Schroder because of his scoring ability and what he's been able to do and obviously he's low budget and it's uh it, it's not as easy as, uh, as all of us that are just like oh yeah you trade dennis root and get an asset i think if you're going to be a contender there's a value in having him around and just riding it out so you know maybe that's what it is, is if there's just not an attractive offer out there and you listen to everything uh marcus is probably your better trade asset in that scenario And you figure out what happens after the season. Maybe Dennis Schroder's back. Maybe he's not. But um, it's certainly on the table. Uh, It's something I can't like. I can't. Everything besides trading, probably both of the Jays, is on the table. So I think you have to to be open minded to whatever can can make you better. And the, the jury is still very much out if Marcus Smart makes the most sense as the point guard of this team.
0: Well, it's it's a question of like if you're entertaining, and I think a lot of it falls on. You know, if you're, if you're training someone of a smart caliber, like what, what are your priorities? Are your priorities like draft capital? So you can make the big deal in the off season is your priority. Um, you know, getting in just a player at, in the front court or just a, what you think is a better fit around the Jays that has some, I assume you'd want some significant team control for a guy like that. Just a, a good old fashioned hockey trade where it's just a guy for a guy. Right. Um, And thinking that, okay, we have, like, we're getting a bigger upgrade at this other position while the downgrade from Marcus to Schroeder is like, you know, not ideal, but we can, we can deal with it. So like, whether a deal like that even presents itself, I'm guessing no, because the team understandably thinks super highly of smart and we know there's, I know, I know for a fact, there's very big fans of smart at very high levels of the organization. So like a move like that would not be considered light and, but at the same time, it's when you're just trying to figure out what that next step is for the franchise, I think, and you have a limited budget to work with, I think that's where you, you might have to start to get creative about options like that if you can you know, take advantage of a, a scenario where you're getting someone under budget and you have something else that the replacement is more expendable for that reason.
1: It, the other thing is they've got to be two, two steps ahead of us where if you think there's a chance, you're gonna pursue Bradley Beal, then you don't need a point guard, right? Like right. that. Yep. So it's it's just got to be you. Who is the guy you're going after this summer? Is it someone you're going via trade, via free agency? Do you have a good feeling about being able to make a push for somebody? You know, do you need to get under the the, the to get cap space? All these things that you know, maybe that will they'll give us some ideas based on what they do, but. Um certainly I think they have to they have to operate this trade deadline with the next move in mind. So you know that makes smart available. And again, they just don't have a, a dearth of, or sorry, they do have a dearth of, of trade options. So you need to consider anything for players that do have value and Marcus Smart because of his skill set and especially for a contender. Um, has high value, and so we can debate whether people want to pay him seventeen million dollars. I think that number in this market is fine. And I'm, I've said it before: if you're trying to trade him as an expiring, it was going to be a lot more. You're going to get a lot less return than you would uh, with him under contract long term. Because contenders that are you know desperate to fill out rosters and and keep guys long term will probably like that. And so it's all a balance. But you know, there's a scenario too where where neither of those guys are on the roster next year. Like that's what I sure. mean. Like oh you, yeah. So, so I think you operate with that that in mind. And um, uh, but man, it, I, I can't wait for the. I, I don't know if I can't wait for it, but there, I, the Celtics Twitter will be quite the place to be the day Marcus Smart does get traded, if it ever happens, because there's such polarizing uh, sides of the argument. And uh, yeah, I just I just can't even envision it in my mind. But um, certainly something you have to consider.
0: It'll be like perk level stuff, except there'll be people beyond Twitter. This time around, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine what that day looked like. And you know, I think we were we were both on Twitter at that point. I just don't remember. It was just a very different place ten years ago. Yeah, um, yeah, very different, at least. All right, let's wrap here. Um, getting into, and we, I'm, we'll, we'll talk again before the trade deadline. But we don't know how how close and things could. I do sure. think things will, are going to start to pick up around the league now. With, I think the COVID stuff kind of ravaging yep. all the rosters seems to be hopefully knocking wood done with, um, for a lot of teams at least. And so now teams are actually able to focus on maneuvering as opposed to whether they can even get a you know, uh, a roster on the floor any given night. Um, so I'll, I'll leave you with two questions here. One, who do you think, who are you most confident in saying won't be on the Celtics roster after the Ooh. trade deadline? That's number one. And question number two, who's your like wild card might be traded guy in the Celtics? Someone you, you know, we know the obvious names. So you have to go outside the box here. So I'm okay. taking away the Schrooters, the the expirings of the world off the table. Someone, someone you think might be on the move that people aren't expected, you know, someone either a young guy or just someone you didn't expect to be moving.
1: Sure. So I would say my, you know, most likely to be traded just because of the uncertainty with Schroeder. And as much as that's like the easy layup choice, I think the more likely play is to try to find someone that will take and uh, because of his salary. Now, that might be more cumbersome because he's making seven million, but he isn't expiring. So uh, maybe there's a way that a team that needs a four and uh, hopefully hasn't watched any Celtic game film this year <laughs> is willing to is willing to make that move. So I put him as probably most likely. I mean, the other thing that, I, and I'm sure you're, anyone who's listening to a Celtic podcast is probably readily aware of. But the Celtics are, are going to want to get below the tax, and whether that's with just getting below it with Truter move or, or or Wancho or your combination of both and giving yourself some room to take back money, um, I think that's a that that's a high priority. That that's someone with a sort of bulky contract that gets them below the tax and. Uh, eases future repeater penalties uh, probably happens. And unless they make a major move or find a, a, a crazy deal, then you you stay below the tax and, and that helps you down the road as far as like a sneaky pick. You know, so obviously the Jays are off the table. This, you know, me, I'm not trading Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already talked about, about Marcus. So I start thinking about, you know, rotation guys, I guess you got to give some consideration to selling high on grant when Ooh. he's played a, played as, as well as he has, is what is what is the future for Grant? You know, and are you are you is he going to be a starting caliber four? Is he a nice reserve? Does he need minutes to thrive? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The Celtics lack of depth at the four probably doesn't afford you that opportunity unless you do trade for a Jeff Green. Um, but yeah. I think I think you have to at least consider it because you're not going to be able to keep all these young guys if you are going the cap space route um, or if you're just you know trying to trim money to the to the point where it, it, it's a, you have a little bit more flexibility next year um, so well, I, I'm not saying it's likely I just think
0: no this um, is, I wouldn't even consider this but I like your where your heads at of uh, because grant is super cheap he's under team control. And with a lot of these teams that just don't have a lot of things to maneuver with, like that's a very easy guy to make a deal for and give you some, you know, reliable depth off the bench. So like, it, it just, go,
1: it just goes back to the whole idea too, of what's next. Are you targeting a four this off season? Right. You know, if, if we could all hop, hop in our time machines and undo the Al Kemba trade and have Singoon, you don't need your four, but you do? Because you, you didn't do all the right steps here. And so um so now yeah, so it's just it's just part of the consideration
0: what would what would convince you to give up grant like what do you need from for him <sighs> either player wise or draft pick wise i assume i mean you're not giving up for second round picks obviously you're, you'd have to yeah
1: that's probably the complicating part he's probably someone that would have to go in to a uh, to a larger deal like if you're trying to get off salary trying to move wancho does a team does a team want to take back two power forwards at that point probably not um so that it is cumbersome to kind of figure out what you need to get um but yeah it's weird because you need a, 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 a shooting four but i don't know if he's you know he's again he's in that tweener state and i just it, it's sometimes hard for me to figure out what his role long term on this team is um and that's why i think that it's more likely he sticks around but you know, the other guy to would throw in there then is 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 someone like Romeo. Um, if you're just not going to commit to developing him and you could get, can you call Guinea Ainge? Say, hey, your boy Romeo's <laughs> available. Should uh, be your first you guys have, I mean, Right. And they've got, what, the 27th, 28th pick in the draft probably? Yeah. Uh, would the Utah Jazz be willing to move that? I mean, I think they'd rather try to get use that to get, Marcus Smart, or, you know, or, but, but that might be too pricey. So, um, I wonder if there was a conversation you have there about, about defenders. And, um, so I just started looking around at teams that could use wings. And that's probably, I think Josh Richardson is in the conversation, but, uh, he's just played so well that I think he may would, would, would probably make the push to, to keep him around, um, until they figure out what's next. And you can always package him with Al in whatever big move you make. But, um, yeah, no one's off limits. I mean, if you're not going to, and, and the other thing, if you're not going to play Neesmith or, or Pritchard, get something of right. value.
0: Right. Like one of those guys, if they're going to keep it in fact, one of those guys should go at the deadline here because it's like, you can carry, it's fine to carry a few of them on the roster, but now if you're like, okay, if you're winning now and you're not developing any of these guys, like, and you're going to have to keep, I mean, at this point, like picking up Romeo's team option back in the fall, was probably a mistake. Like they did it. I mean, it's not a huge amount. It keeps getting, He's gonna get 5.6 million dollars next year, but like if they decline it, like who's who's paying Romeo 5.6 million dollars next year? It'd be like the answer is no Orange. one. So if you're gonna have those type of decisions coming up again for Smith and stuff like that, like pick one and maybe use one with Wancho and some draft capital to get a, someone you can, you know, will actually help and you know that email will actually play as opposed to just letting whatever little value these guys have left like Peter out to nothing.
1: How, how hilarious would it be if after months of all of us writing that they need to trade Dennis Schroeder and all their veteran pieces to free up time for the young guys and Brad's only move is to trade all the young guys. So we'll stop writing (laughs) that they have have to play. And uh, yeah, that would would chop me up in a hurry if they didn't have any, if they didn't have any, I guess I would have to go.
0: Like these guys all sucked in the first place.
1: I guess I would st- I would have to start uh, the campaign to um to bring um uh who's 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 the uh the point guard from the summer that I've already forgotten his name. Oh my god, I can't put a blanket on it. Uh the Israeli the Israeli oh, campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, Yamada. Yam, yeah, Yamada. Yam, 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 my God. Um that that's how long it's been. Um so uh you know we were talking about point guards of the future. Maybe they're just waiting it out. Maybe they're waiting for Israeli Steph Curry to um come on over and, and, uh, and, and take the reins.
0: I did hear he had a good, or I read, I think someone tweeted out he had a good performance at the Euro cup in the last couple of games. So I mean, I'll never top the first, his, his debut in summer league.
1: No, uh, no. I mean,
0: the uh, that, that
1: was, a ele- that was electric. And I, I think you probably remember we were, we, we did this like uh, broadcast at our studio and, uh, I was, I was losing my mind. I was like, sign this guy immediately. <laughs> you no, know? but, uh, at that point, very much like the current state of the team, we were, just, we were just looking for a little ray of sunshine. And this playmaking point guy with some sass was, uh, was fun to watch. So him and Bergeron and, and everything, maybe there's a, you know, that's the other thing is if, if the season does go south, we'll be we'll, one of us is going to hop on a plane and, and head overseas and start scouting these, <laughs> uh, <laughs> these young guys to, to figure out what's, what, what they got in the pipeline.
0: Summer League is overseas for the next two years.
1: Who,
0: who, who, uh, who, who are you didn't, I want to, I'm not going to make you answer your own question. You
1: sort of did, but, you know, who do you think is the most likely to go and, and who do you, who, who's your sneaky trade? Yeah,
0: I'm trade with you, you on, trade. I'm with you on Wancho. Um, I think, yeah. For but actually. who's going to, who is going to take one? Well, that's, that's the my, thing. It's like, like <laughs> that's the question. So maybe, maybe it should be Bruno, like Bruno Fernando. Mm. Like, maybe that, that, I think might be that the safer choice in terms of like, okay, that's just, you can just pay his salary and send him somewhere and pay a little more on top of it and that's that's your deal right there wancho it's a little little tougher with that kind of money um involved there but i i mean they're they're actually not with i guess they're not too far over the tax now because if jalen brown doesn't look like he's going to hit his incentives which will take about like 1.5 million a million off yeah Yeah, so that that will help and so that may make it easier to maneuver but i mean you look at the that with they still have all these TPEs too. So it's like, oh yeah, they could, they could add these players. We're like, oh, they're not going to add salary, um, just to add salary. But maybe they, they trade Wancho just to create a new TPE that they can use yeah. down the line. Like, you know, we need to, the never ending, like they're not going to have cap space forever here. So, and this is something that I think honestly probably hurt DNEH to a very large degree over the last, you know, five, six years. It was just not, they really just didn't have, weren't able to create any usable TPEs and that obviously came back to bite every trade deadline when you, you didn't want to give up the enough salary to get someone who actually would matter. So mm-hmm. making, keeping that gravy train rolling here, I think should be a priority in the other claim. and then I think my wildcard pick, I'm going with like Aaron or Romeo. I think it's one of those guys. If both of them are not playing. Um, I think that it's time to, to pull the plug and maybe package that with launcho. Not and you're getting something decent back in the deal. You're not just doing it to dump salary, but you know, just pick one you like yeah, and move on. As much. yeah.
1: And and that's probably for the best for everybody involved. Um, I'd hate to give up on Neesmith this early. And even there's a world where these guys develop differently if there was playing time. And that's why and I'm I'm just as guilty as of it as anybody, but can't help but watch Detroit and Sadiq Bays going nuts and you know, maybe Aaron Eastmith would be doing the same thing if he was in Detroit. But you sit there and go, oh man, you know, missed the opportunity there. And and you know, Bain in Memphis and you know, who knows? Bain might be riding the bench in Boston if they had kept that pick. But um, part of what has hamstrung this team so much has been um, not getting guys that were able to blossom in limited minutes. And you know that that might not even be those players' fault. But um yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. It will, it will not lack for storyline. But I, it is crazy that you mentioned the TPEs. Uh, I, can't, I spent so many days last year talking about the, the, the damn Gordon Haywood trade exception. And this year, I, I haven't like really considered the Evan Fournier TPE. because It's just same thing. I just don't see the, a world where the Celtics are big spenders. Um, maybe they break off a, a chunk of it depending on how much money they move out. But um, it would have to probably be a, a real special situation for them to, to ponder that. And make ownership go into the tax early. right?
0: It's like, hey, quick, we got a five hundred team here. We can get up to that six seed. Like, what do you say? Let's add thirty million dollars in penalties here. Like, uh, yeah. Um, can you
1: trade for? Can you trade a trade a player exception for the player it was created by?
0: Ooh, that would. We're gonna have to go. We're gonna have to get.
1: I, 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 honestly, line I, that one. You just gone, broke my I'm brain. <laughs> I did. I, I, I had never, because I've heard people say, you know, people were asking when Kemba was going, starting to play really well again. They're like, could the Celtics trade for Kemba? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's, been, you know, he's been moved by another team. Like, you're, you're, the window reopens. Right. Uh, I don't actually think the Celtics are going to go get Evan Fournier, but it just going to be laugh <laughs> thinking. Like, he fits into the Evan M- M- Fournier trade exception. I, well, so. <laughs> I think is your
0: answer, though. The answer, though, is it's, I assume you can't trade for the guy for a season, and then your TPE is going to expire in that season. So I guess your answer officially is no, but I want to see it happen think, regardless. You would, you would think. You would
1: you would think, but I don't know if there's been any scenario in the NBA where this has ever been actually having yeah. to, to consider it. Uh, and I don't think we have to consider it really hard this year, but it's, it's just 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 one of those, when you're when you're going through a 500 season, one of those things that pops <laughs> into your brain.
0: <laughs> the important things. This needs to happen now. is the bottom line. This needs to happen at some point. It needs to be attempted and it'll be coming straight from Chris Forsberg's big brain here on the Wayne place podcast. All right. You did it, Chris. You won both games of the home and home. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'll,
1: take, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take those wins, even though uh, I think I brought a better effort on your podcast yeah. and my, <laughs> box, my, my, my bosses probably won't be happy with that, but um, it, it's all, it's all about uh, about uh, doing your best when you're out on the floor. So, well, you, you hadn't had a winning sense. streak
0: in a couple of months. So uh, it was like. <laughs> we're going we're, we're to put up a banner that
1: says Chris Forsberg two game winning streak. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and people will be very excited. <laughs> All right. Make sure you check him out. I mean, you always check him out on pre and post game live from his WebEx studio um, <laughs> and from the Beautiful. garden floor at times. And now, obviously, on the Celtics Talk podcast, he always does a great job On there. Um, so make sure you check him out check us out here at the winning plays pod every week, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We appreciate it. We'll be continuing to talk to Chris and others as this season rolls on, as we figure out what direction this group is going in. But as always, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week.